Welcome to the Wedding Sassholes. No BS Wedding Business Podcast. We're here to real talk you through the common F-ups we see companies making. Practical strategies you can implement today. This month's topic is money management. And in this episode, you'll learn how to create a sales forecast for your wedding business. And what to track to prepare for the future. We are your hosts. I'm Shannon Tarrant. I'm Vanessa Negron. And welcome to The Shit Show. Episode 19 of The Wedding Sassholes. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. So last week we talked about expenses and all the things that have to do with tracking expenses and all of those pieces, which is great, right? You have to know that information where the money is going out. So that way you can do a better job about predicting future sales. Yes. And where the money's coming in. We talked about the going out. Now we got to talk about coming in. This is where we start to know what our plans are. Yes. And so when we say the word like sales forecast, it's like we're predicting. It's a good guess of what the expected sales revenue will be. Mm -hmm. I do this almost, um, not this entire strategy, but I do this almost every week to see where we are within the month of how we are for the monthly forecast. I try to stay on top of it. Yeah, I feel like as wedding professionals, we're a little bit spoiled because people in general in events, depending upon your category and where you're at in the booking process, but generally people are booking anywhere from three months to six months to nine months to 12 months or even further out. So mm-hmm. it's hard for a regular retail business yes. where people walk in off the street to maybe sales forecast in a way that we've got a little bit more data and things contracted further out to know and be able to forecast that much further in the future. Yes, I would agree with that, especially since we are events driven that are in the future and not necessarily that week of camping. Yeah, and we're going to talk a lot um, next week about building your budget. And when you sit down to make a budget, you know, having a general idea and being in a really good habit of tracking, not only forecasting and planning, but also tracking your actual sales is data that you're going to really need to build the budget. Um, Yes. And when I first started, I won't lie to you guys, I didn't collect data. No. Well, most people don't collect data. At the beginning, I didn't. No. At the beginning, I was like, I just need to sell, 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 sell. And I wasn't collecting. Well, and I think sometimes data gets very scary and it's like, what do I need all this information for? But when I worked for someone else and I didn't have clear sales goals, it was kind of like you just said, Vanessa, it was very more, 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 more. I just need Mm -hmm. to sell, sell, sell. And then when I shifted to a new job where I had really clear goals and targets and, you know, metrics that I had to hit for me to know that we had hit a successful point, it was game changing because then you d- you also could stop and take a breath because mm-hmm. you knew well, the bills nice. were covered. You knew that they were covered, especially coming from the wedding side of things. When we have a slower season, if you can look ahead, you can breathe easier in those slower seasons, knowing that there's still income coming in. So example, I use a breakup payment system for my clients, not all at once not in two lump sums, I actually have them do smaller payments over summer so that I still have an income coming in and I'm not stressed out. So it helps you breathe easier knowing, you know, when you look at the forecast, 
knowing that you're still, you're going to be okay. The boat is still going to float. It's not going to sink. Um, even in the slower seasons where you don't have the events necessarily scheduled, but you still have people making payments. So it's nice to see that. Well, and it's, you know, when you can start forecasting too, you really have a good handle on the financial position of the company. So if you know you need help with social media and you want to hire someone for that or hiring staff in general, um, if you've got, you know, Vanessa's world, she's got a lot of equipment, right? She's got ovens and coolers and, you know, baking equipment and things like that. Or um, in my world, it's marketing budget, you know, different times of year with, our people are searching for a venue more than others. So we ramp up the ad spend in different months than we do. But if you really have no idea where you're at, you're not really planning where you, you can't see where you can spend that extra money, mm-hmm. right? Vanessa and I are both right. in Florida. So in Florida, our slow season, quote unquote, in this market is most of the rest of the country's high season. <laughs> yes. But we get really slow in July, August, and September. Like those three months, July and August are the worst. It's literally raining every day, but feels like it's drought season so when it comes hot. to weddings oh and events. God. Yeah, well, it's just, it's so hot outside. I mean, it's just miserable for guests and the clients themselves. The experience is not as well. So, but that is our slow season. So that is when I look at the budget, but I also reevaluate things that are on the budget and the forecast. And that's when I make big decisions. So if you guys don't have this, I highly encourage you to do it. Every summer, Shannon and I do a workaway. And we look at the forecasts, we look at the big pictures, and we reevaluate all of that. So having that forecast to sit down and look at at the workaway is really important. So just as a a little tip of the day, if you don't have that on your calendar, maybe do that with a a friend that's also in the industry that you can keep accountable with. Um, for the I think we should do. I think we should do a whole sound off on thing workaways. On it. I just we wrote should. that down. Workaway. Write it down. Got it. Write it we'll down. tell you more about what um, that looks like in a future episode. In, it, in our slower season, that is when I don't want to spend a bunch of money necessarily, yes. but it is where I look at maybe expanding. So for my business, I do cakes and desserts. I do have employees that do the deliveries and drivings and all of that for me. So over summer is when I'm going to start looking at other delivery vehicles to add on to our fleet. That's when I'm going to look at office locations of expanding, not necessarily putting all that money down, but that's when I'm going to start to look at the forecast and know if we can afford the bigger overhead, afford the extra expenditures, things like that. So if you don't have a forecast, you can't do all of those things. No. And yeah. forecasting is a way of like setting down and I mean, I'm really a once a year girl. I sit down and I make the plan, but you've got to look at this every month. And when I say that I do a CEO date with myself, you know, I learned that on another podcast that once a month I sit down and I go through and I have the CEO date. And one of the things I look at is a sales forecast for the next month um, and go through it. So, all right. So let's start talking about what do you have to track? What do you have to track? Okay, so when you start to track, you're going to need to do your um, your monthly expenses. May it be your overheads, your cost of goods, things like that. You want to have all of those things itemized. Does it make sense? Am I making sense or am I just talking in the air because I'm using my hands? 
Well, you're talking more expense versus sales focused. So when we're talking about like in terms of what you, you have to have some kind of information to be able to forecast. So expenses are fine to make sure you're not, expenses are more helpful when it comes to budgeting than when it comes to sales forecasting. So what I want you to do is you need to start sitting down and looking at and tracking, whether it's a spreadsheet or your CRM or whatever, and looking at month by month, exactly what do you already have on the books? Now, what's already contracted? We are talking about a sales forecast. We are not talking about cash flow. Those are not the same things. Cash flow is when is the money coming, right? This is kind of like, what do you have contracted and sold in the month? for you to do. So you really have to sit down every single month and you need to start tracking two different things when it comes to the month. This is a little confusing. So you're going to have to breathe, listen to me and maybe hit skip back 30 seconds and listen to me again. So the first thing you have to track in your, it's called the PACE report. If you go P-A-C-E, if you Google it, you want to read more about this and learn more about it. It's how to start tracking the pace of your business. So the first thing at the end of the month is I want you to sit down and count how many weddings signed a contract this month, meaning like it right now is spring, it's March from March 1st to March 31st. Yep. March 1st, March 31st. I want you to count how many contracts were signed and what was the total revenue of every single one of those contracts. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And how many weddings have already taken place? Right. So the second thing you're going to track, what Vanessa is saying is you're going to, I use the word consumed, meaning like how many weddings happen this month. So you have to track as a business, both how many weddings you've contracted and signed for future dates, future events, but Mm -hmm. also how many weddings actually happened this month, how many you had, and what was the total revenue. To be able to do a strong sales forecast, you need both pieces of data. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so I do the contracts at tastings, but not everybody has in-person meetings. So just check your contracts. Right. So how many appointments you have. No, you're not, yeah, you're not con- doing the appointments. Yep. So what you want to do is if you have a CRM, this is great. You can go into the system and probably pull it. If you aren't using a CRM, you could start a spreadsheet that every time somebody signs a contract, you just put in their names and the dollar amount. Um, So at the end of the month, you can track that because it's important to know how much you're selling. So let me go back to when I worked at the venue. My very first job in catering, I had no goals, no pace, no tracking, flying by the seat of my pants, which I imagine a lot of you are doing the same thing like Vanessa was when she started. I think that's how everybody starts, though. Of course, of course. And I was doing the same thing, but I was an employee for someone else. So I didn't even I didn't know any better. And then I went to go work at a venue. And one of my very first days at the venue, um, the girl who was training me hands me this binder. It's got to be like an eight inch, like thick binder. And I open it up and I'm like, what is this? And she's like, oh, it's the monthly pace reports. And I was, I I crap myself a little because I didn't really understand what any of that meant. And conceptually, you know, as a business and they were a hotel and a resort and whatever, 
they wanted to have enough data every single month to know that on October 1st in last year, exactly how many weddings were contracted. Did they have on the books for the future? Did they have how much business was for the future? Because when you start looking and having all of this data, you can start making really strong predictions when you get year over year data. In your first year, you can say, oh, I did you know, 15 weddings this year, which is great, you know, as you're getting started and you're building or whatever, and I did 15 weddings. 15 sounds great, but it doesn't sound great if five of them were in March, three were in November, two were in October, and like the other five were in December. That's like a Mm -hmm. whole year. 15 sounds great if they're spread out. But if you're killing yourself in certain months and not the others, you're going to use all of this data to be able to start looking at what months maybe should I be running a special? How much do I have out there? Like, but you have to have the data. Right at thinner. So when I first started, that was one of the questions somebody asked me was how many weddings do you want to book this year? And I was like, I want to book a hundred weddings, not thinking you have to break that up amongst the 12 months. You can't. (laughs) And with our season, you want to do a hundred in December or do you want to do a hundred throughout the entire year? How are you going to break that up? I didn't think of things like that. And I overbooked myself one year in December and wanted to just die because I was exhausted. And then, yeah, you because know, you, you were looking at months. total, you were looking at mm-hmm. total number and then total the reason, numbers. The reason why I say track numbers and dollar revenue is because sometimes you think in your head, I want to do a hundred events and I'm just going to make up, I like easy math. I want to do a hundred events at a thousand dollars each. That's a hundred thousand dollars. But if you could do 90 events at $1,200 each or 80 events at, you could start tracking average bookings and things like that. Listen, math is my least favorite part about being a business owner. It's a lot of math. I do math all day, but I'm a baker. So I know, but like, I just feel like this isn't the piece that most of us get taught. We get taught, book it, sell it, book it, sell it, fill the calendar, make sure all your dates are booked, especially if you're one of those categories that's a one and done date. Mm -hmm. Well, I I honestly don't think that a lot of business owners can break down their P&Ls very well. I hate to say that out loud, but I just think a lot of them kind of distance themselves or they just hire someone and they're so disconnected from that part that it's kind of scary for them to try and talk about it. Yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite professional moments of me being a moron was I was invited to sit through a PNL meeting and at the resort, which was like three meetings ahead of my pay grade. And I sat there and I looked through the paperwork and, you know, I was just observing and learning and we finished the whole thing. And um, my boss says to me, he's like, oh, do you have any questions? Or, you know, after everybody had left and I said, yeah, what's a PNL?" And he said to me, Oh, it's not P and L, it's P and L. Uh-huh. But everybody yeah. says it so fast. So it sounds like P and L. It's not a word. It's not a no, word. I thought, I was like, I don't know what that is. I thought it was a P and L. Like I thought it was one word. All, and he's like, oh, it's a profit and loss statement. I was like, oh, he goes, you sat there the whole meeting. I'm like, I had no idea what we were talking about. But like oh I goodness. followed the numbers. So, yeah. okay. Yeah. So there's a few different types of forecasts yes. that we can do as a small business so, owner. So we have historical bottom up. And then we also have top down. So let's start with historical forecasts. Perfect. So historical is what I was talking about that I was able to walk into at Mission N. It was we as a property or a business that has data and you've been tracking data. 
this is like a few years down the road. You need to be in business at least a year to start doing historical forecasts because you are basing information off of previous and past performances. Mm -hmm. Yes. So the, excuse me, for my style of business, I use the historical forecast to not only help with um, the performance, but for prep. You know, that sounds kind of weird, but if you were ever in the restaurants or making any types of foods, when you look at the historical forecast, it kind of tells you how much units you're going to sell for that month and how to um, plan accordingly to your prep sheets and how much to purchase for that month. I love it. All right. Next up is a bottom up forecast. So I think I'm drinking. <laughs> so it bottoms up. Nope, it's bottom up. So you start with the number um, of estimated sales. So if you are going to sit down and say, like, for example, I know that in the month of February, it's not as popular of a month here. So we're going to do six events, I'm going to book all four Saturdays and maybe, you know, two Fridays or two Sundays or whatever. So we're going to do six events and I'm going to multiply that by my average cost of a thousand dollars per event. So then I am going to forecast. <laughs> Sorry, Cliff. Okay. Okay. So I'm going to do the number of events times the average cost. So then if I was saying six events times a thousand dollars each, I'd be forecasting $6,000 for the month. Mm -hmm. And our last one is going to be top-down forecast. So we're going to start with the total size of the market and estimate what percentage of the market the business can capture. Not the best for small businesses, but not the reality. Right, because that's like saying, oh, our market just 20,000 weddings this year. Mm -hmm. I think we're going to yes. capture 10% of that business. No, it's, there's yeah. no... It's a terrible idea, but we like to make sure you're informed on the podcast. We want to tell you about it, business. not the best. <laughs> no, but I mean, when you think about in anything you do, there's only so much the market can bear, right? So I understand it when it comes to huge corporations, top down is very popular, but a small business, if you're a newer business and you've tracked nothing, bottom up forecasting is the way where to start. Um, if you've been in business and tracking or can go back and pull your data, right? Because maybe you haven't been tracking it, but if you have a CRM, it's probably all in there. You just got to do a little mm -hmm. digging around in the slow season. And a lot of them let you select the months and actually look it all back up. You don't have to sit down and do it manually. It'll let you select the select the select the select dates. Blah, blah, blah. It'll let you select those uh, exact dates that you need and it'll, it'll show you those different reports. Yes. All right, so now we know which type of forecast we're going to do. Mm -hmm. Now we got to actually start making a forecast. Yes, we need to first start by deciding on the time period. So monthly is recommended versus quarterly. Um, I wouldn't suggest doing it just as a yearly. I do the yearly when I do a yearly budget, yeah. but not, with a look, not if I'm breaking down it into quarters, into months. So you can do three different ones if you'd like, um, but I would start with monthly if you're going to start. Yeah, I think it's hard in the wedding industry to do quarterly. Um, I used to be in a relationship with someone who worked in like the corporate industry and it was very like Q1, Q2, Q3, Q4. That's just a little hard in our world um, because I think that there's such seasonality and things like that to just estimate quarters. But I understand why large companies and corporations do that because if you bomb out the first month, you've got a chance mm -hmm. to make it back. 
right. the next two, but most of the wedding industry is small business. So I usually recommend people start with monthly. I agree with that. The second thing we're gonna do is make a list of your current services and goods that you sell. So if you are just selling goods or you're just selling services or you have a combination of the two, we want you to make an itemized um, list of those things. So if you are a planner, as an example, um, what services are you offering? Are you offering just uh, full service, partial service, month of, day of planning, things like that? Right. And we're using this because sometimes the more detailed you can be, <clears throat> you'll start capturing really strong data. So if you're getting started. This is way easier than saying four. <laughs> you know, I did four events this month. You know, in Vanessa's world as a baker, she does cake. She does wedding cakes. She does party cakes. She does mm -hmm. dessert bars. Sometimes it's a combo of some of those pieces. But you want a good general idea of not only how much did you sell, but also what's the breakdown in terms of those categories. So that's why I want you to make the list of the services that you have so that this is going to be key. So you can forecast by service number. You know, you can't, you're not going to sell five full service planning every month, but you might sell one. Mm -hmm. Yes, ma'am. We're going to now quantify your sale. I don't know why I said it like that. I'm sorry. Quantify your sales. Right. So for each and every item that we put on that list, you want to think about how many of each of them you'll sell, thinking about how many potential customers you might be able to make, make contact with, with your marketing um, and things like that that you need to do. So how many will you sell for each one? And then I want you to multiply that by the average price that people, if you have set pricing or things like that, but if you don't have set, like everybody pays the same Think about your average price. And so you want to kind of estimate how many of them and what are they going to pay for it? Which brings us to subtracting your costs. So your cost of goods, your operational costs, um, if you have a payroll, things like that. So subtract your costs from that um, average sales that you've already done. Yeah, Which brings us I mean to... I think though, let's go back a little. I think that the okay. costs are an important piece in part when it comes to your budget. But mm -hmm. when it comes to just the sales forecast, I don't usually include any expenses in my sales forecast. Because Operations or cost of goods? None, not a penny. I am really, I am straight up only forecasting dollars and revenue and sales goals because I'll budget. Now my budget, which we'll dig into next week, but my budget will include all the expenses. And then I make sure that my forecast matches the expenses on that mm -hmm. side of the world in the budget. But my sales forecast is literally straight up only what am I selling? How much do I think I can sell? What does that look like? That it is straight up only sales. I always put in cost of goods just because I can't do any type of service without a cost of a good of some yeah. sort. So for my side of the business, which we are on very opposite sides, which is of not course. a bad thing, is because I have that constant expense and that constant lovely charge from the restaurant, depot, Cisco, whoever, mm -hmm. um, that is part of my forecasting so that I automatically subtract that from my sales because I know that I, I don't have any sales without that in it. Like right. I know that I can't sell a wedding without there being a food ticket attached to it. So that is why I include that in there. Yeah. And I mean, I think that that in my world, I just look at that more as the business budget mm -hmm. rather than the sales forecast just lives completely on its own in my world. And those are, so that way I don't like overly stress myself out 
going back every single <laughs> month when I'm trying to shoot for sales goals. I'm not trying that. to, I'm not as focused on profit because I've already done that piece in the budget, which mm-hmm. God help you next week. We're talking budgets. Bring, bring some band-aids for your belly button next week. Yeah, it's getting <laughs> ugly. Okay, so I do want to talk about units versus dollars because many times when I talk to businesses and we start talking about sales, what I hear all the time is a number of weddings. And I never- That doesn't equal the dollar amount. That's what's so silly to me about it. I know. And like when I worked at a venue, when I worked there as the employee, I definitely took advantage of the fact that my boss always said 120 weddings, 120 weddings. We have to do 120 weddings. And I was like, so one wedding of 10 people having a little ceremony, like that counts? And he was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't get it. Like, I don't understand why- Now, he had historical data to know that we had an average. And while there were a few of those teeny tiny weddings that were going to be in that 120 number, there was also going to be five to 10 ridiculous, insane, over-the-top, crazy spend because he had Mm -hmm. historical data. He had the average, yep. But if you are a business and you're just starting to track this, please don't only count how many weddings you'll do each month because I don't know. I just feel like that's dangerous. I can't do that from my aspect um, because there are different sizes of dessert bars. There's different sizes of cakes. So the number of weddings doesn't necessarily ever equal the same quantity of cash flow that's coming in. Um, But also, even if it's like a small event, just like you said, birthday party that has a 10 serving birthday cake is not the same as a wedding. So I can't just count the events that I've booked. That's not the equivalency. So I would definitely say, um, definitely do, you can do both. You can average yeah, out I think you how many do you do, mm-hmm. but yeah. definitely always have one that has the dollar amount. I, I hate to be like so money forward on that, but you, in order to do a sales forecast, you need to know the sales, not just the number of events that you've booked. Yeah. And there are certain forecasting models that are straight up dollar based. And you're only thinking about the total amount of money you'll make in a given month and money is great. But if that means that you're doing 30 events in the month and you're doing an event every single day and you don't, and, but you're not counting that you're only counting the dollars. You may also end up killing yourself because you're like, great, we, we did a hundred thousand in sales this month and that's awesome. But not if you can't sustain it. So it really should be both a mix of the number of units and mm-hmm. like that average price so that you can kind of see both. And you can realistically see as a business, I might want to do have less events and increase my in a, and adjust those prices accordingly. Yeah. I mean, think about like the months of December, corporate events are coming back. And even though we're all in the wedding industry, we also sometimes do those corporate events. In December, when you have those big corporate parties, but you discount it as an event and not necessarily look at the revenue that's coming in from it, you're you're going to slap yourself when you book too many in one week because you're just like, oh, it's three events. It's not a big deal, but it's two or three times bigger than your average event. Right. That's why I'm saying like, look at the numbers, not just how many events per se, because I mean, especially in December for me or for most of us down here because of the corporate parties that they're doing for the holidays. 
Yeah, you want to be able to look back and see both pieces of information. But remember what I said when I said what we're going to track. We are not only going to track how many, this is the biggest fail I see business owners make because when I ask for other data, they never have, this is never what they're tracking. Most business owners are tracking the number of events and the money that they did within the month. So consumed, those are the events that happened that month. So what Vanessa's talking about is in the month of December, she did 10 events and three of those were huge corporate events and had higher dollar amount. And all of that is great. My number one concern is sometimes people forget to track how many contracts they signed and the total value of those contracts. Because if you can't look back and say, okay, we hear all the time, engagement season is December, January, February. And people will be like, well, I didn't book all that much. I got really busy booking in March. Well, of course, because they're picking their venue, it's engagement season. So they're choosing venues in December, January, and February. And so the trickle down effect for a lot of the other categories is a little bit later into the spring, they start to pick up. It's like they kind of have to check one box before they move on to the next. So you need to, if you, if you don't have any data for this, it's very easy for you to freak out. But when you go back and can look at last year and be like, oh, well, you know, it's March 13th. I've only signed three contracts so far this month, but last year I did eight. You got to buckle down and know that you've got room to sell at least five more to hit your last year sales goal. If not, try to exceed that and do more than that. So you really have to be tracking both contract signed and number of events. Please, 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 please. Contracted and consumed. You're tracking both. Mm-hmm. Okay, so a few <laughs> little things to remember, and then we're going to wrap this episode up. Number one, this is not your swag yet. We still have swag at the end. But number one is please don't forget market conditions when you are sitting and thinking and seasonality and things like that. So let me give you an example. Um, If you are an outdoor wedding venue and we are down in Florida, you are likely to have lower contracts, not only lower amount of events at an outdoor venue in August, but you're also likely to have a lesser sales month because it's hot and people are touring and sweating and all of those things. So when you start to sit down and forecast, make sure you are considering all those market conditions and seasonality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the, and some of our venues are actually closed in that month. And then some of them do like super discounts. Check your market conditions. Listen, we've all heard this uh, for the last, what, year, year and a half now, that the economy keeps talking about a, a upcoming recession. Um, so, I mean, we've already seen some of it. Couples are booking smaller, more intimate. Um, they're waiting longer to book. I've had a mm-hmm. lot, and I've talked to people in our area. We've had a lot of people that are booking kind of, not necessarily last minute, but shorter timeframes than usual. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. So where in 2020, when people started postponing, so then the 21 people were trying to book as far out as they could because they knew that other dates weren't going to be available. It's now turning back to two, three months out instead of six to nine months out. So just kind of keep that in mind as well. Well, yeah. And don't you think, I mean, I know I've seen it and I know we've raised for inflation, but a lot of vendors jacked up their prices in 2022, 2023, because of the wedding boom, the pricing has gone way up. But as you know, the sticker shock that I'm hearing as we talk to couples of the like, oh my God, it's not because 
you know, they think that vendors are overpriced. They just had no idea that the average cost of a wedding is probably jumping three to five to $10,000 in the last mm -hmm. 18 months. And so, yeah, those market conditions and the word recession being heard over and over again, it definitely all adds up. But also at the same time, when you're adjusting your pricing, don't do it to the full extreme that you're actually pricing yourself out of your market. Yeah, you have to pay attention to competition. There's going to be mm -hmm. new people, hungry people, new businesses that come in. And granted, they're not going to be at the same level of you and your level of expertise. And I get that. But you really like when you're doing sales forecasting, you have to be smart. You have to think, who am I losing business to? Why am I losing them? I talked to somebody they last week. Um, it was a photographer and they changed their minimums. They just added on another package that had less time before they only had like two package choices. They actually added a third that was a little bit less time for people booking within four months and things like that. So just pay attention to the market um, all the way around because you really like when you start tracking all of these things and next week's budget talk is going to really be the big one. The ultimate goal is for you to set a plan to be profitable so that you are paying yourself, you are making good money and that all of the pricing and all of this tracking that you're doing is so that you can make sure you make money. And stay in business. <laughs> yeah. Well, we like to end every episode giving you a little bit of swag. Shit, we all get three action items to add to your to-do list. Okay, first, I've already said it 15 times, but I'm going to say it for the 16th. Don't forget <laughs> to track both the number of weddings and how much money, both the count and the dollars. Yes, I want you to start with the basics. So a list of services and goods that you offer, quantify your sales and subtract your cost of goods and operational costs. Not everybody does their cost of goods. We've That's already discussed okay. this, but I do. So I think when you have, I think you have like when you have food and beverage and things like that, though, it's a, you look at cost of goods a little bit differently than people who are straight mm -hmm. up service based. Correct. So if you do more of that, if you're more of a stationer or invitations or bar company or things like that, you may look at it or catering, you may look at it a little bit more like Vanessa looks at it, which I can respect. Um, number three is my last one is to put an appointment on your calendar on the first of the month called monthly reports. And so when I worked for someone else, I had to do this. I had to sit down, pull all my reports. I had to pull all my Google analytics and my social media numbers and whatever. You want to have some kind of like dashboard. But as we are talking about these things of budgeting and categorizing expenses in the system and things like that, if you just kind of put it on your calendar the first of the month, like you have to give it to someone else, you know, it's, it's accountability for yourself just to remind you to take that snapshot in that moment so that it's not four days later and you're like, oh, then you start counting weddings into last month and it wasn't all of those things. On top of it, keep it on track. If you feel like this podcast helped your business, got you thinking, or we made you laugh, Follow, subscribe, and hit that share button and share this episode with a friend. And you can always leave us a great five-star review. Oh, Stay yeah. Tuned. <laughs> Stay tuned for our upcoming episodes. We are still talking money management this month. And next week is all about smart budgeting tips. Oh, budgeting. Dun, dun, dun. Be ready. Dun, dun, now, dun. go make some epic shit happen. 